So how, on God's gray earth, did this... Suddenly, I heard the plaintive cry of a young Mexican girl. And this... You made me cry when you said goodbye. Ain't that a shame? My tears fell like rain. And even this... Gonna go tell Mary about Uncle John. He says he had the blues, but he has a lot of fun. Oh, baby. Yes, baby. Having me some fun tonight, yeah. Oh, well, long tall Sally has a lot on the ball, and nobody can become this. Millions of people living as fools. Maybe it's not too late. Detours and Outliers, the podcast where we take a closer look at that one album in an artist's discography that sticks out like a sore thumb. It may be their best album or it may be their worst album, but either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. This week on the panel we have Logan Renard. Matthew Marr. And my name is Scott Livingston. Just a heads up, we are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and MySpace and Friendster. So if you want to hit us up, feel free to do that. We really have a Friendster? No. <laughs> but um, Of course we do. Of course we do. Since this is the last week of August, the merry month of metal, this week we have a special guest on the podcast, Rick Reed, host of the um, Theremin 30 podcast. So say hello to everyone. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Um, this is our first podcast-to-podcast interface, I think, so that's quite exciting. And um, for the Merry Month of Metal, we have dived into possibly the most metal artist of them all, Mr. White Shoes, Pat Boone. And his uh, 1997 Nine, yep. 97 album. Lucky seven. Metal is supposed to be scary. <laughs> yeah. And this and is... This might be a best album. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is In a Metal Mood, colon, No More Mr. Night Sky. Um, so do we want to discuss the background of Mr. Pat Boone and how exactly this... Um, yes, I would like to know a little more about Pat Boone. Well, of course, uh, he got famous by sort of exploiting the music of other people yes. uh, back in the 50s and early 60s. He would take the uh, rock music of, say, someone like uh, Little Richard and make it, I hate to say it, more palatable to the white folks. Yeah, that was the <laughs> essence of Pat Boone is he would, you know... To a certain group water, of white folks. Yeah, right? water <laughs> things down a bit to make it more... Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't have to be sorry about that. I think that's the official press release from the record company said exactly what you just said. And I didn't listen to a lot of that music, but I remember this film clip I've seen over and over again in documentaries about the history of rock music. And it's Tim's doing Tutti Frutti. Yes. And yeah, I remember those two. Tutti Frutti. Yes. Oh, Rudy. Yeah. yeah, and it's about as... Yeah, <laughs> which of which of course, uh, and he well, this was in the fifties, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. You know, and so of course, uh, you know, those British bands we all know and love, like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, did the exact same thing, but they did it with a little more, oh, I don't know, understanding and love for the music that they were replicating. Yes, I mean, Pat Boone always sort of felt like he was doing this under duress because he knew that the the teens wanted it, not because he was really a big Little Richard fan. So you have to tell me, I I could be, I don't quite understand. Is Pat Boone a good-looking guy? To a certain demographic. He is very non-threatening. He's got department store mannequin. Yes, he's got very immaculate hair, a bright, positive smile. Well, well, you know, because, you know, just trying to figure out what the heck is the attraction here. I mean, his voice is okay. Yeah, he's competent, if not great. I mean... He sings on key. Yeah. It's it's melodious. Yeah. Not objectionable. Yeah. Well, I think in the 50s, it was for people who wanted to get into rock and roll, but just... Owning a, a 45 with Little Richard's picture on it was going to get them kicked out of the house. What about his uh, background? Is he is he from California? Do you know? He certainly embodies California, but I don't know if he's actually from California. He definitely seems like the the Ken doll kind of. Yeah, yeah. he reminds me of the lead character on uh, Buck Rogers, uh, Gil. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very yeah, plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he seems like a, a nice enough guy. He is vocally very conservative and born again Christian. I mean, so he's conservative in more ways than one. Yes, he is, and you know, not like subtly or hidden, like you know, say you too. He is, you know, he appears on the Seven Hundred Club on yeah. a regular basis, kind of guy. And he actually kind of changed gears with his music career in the early '60s because. A lot of the music that he would have covered had lyrics that he found uh, incompatible with his beliefs and with the image that he wanted to portray. And so that's when he kind of shifted over into more of the uh, Christian and country music. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, he did quite well in that niche, but he was sort of, he went from being known. But but this album in a metal mood was his first hit album in 30 years or something? Something like that, 35 years, Yeah. yeah. And like, uh, yeah, so reportedly the um, genesis of this genesis is that he would was genesis. No, <laughs> yes, <laughs> his band it. leader would yeah. would joke around. You should do a metal album, and he would always you know play along and say, "Ha ha, yeah, that's funny." And you know, as the joke kept going on, they you know they started thinking about it a little more seriously every day, and eventually in the mid nineties. Um, the time seemed right. <laughs> Excluding the Metallica track. Boy, did they pick some metal that was relevant to 1997. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, one of the, in doing a little research for this, uh, one of the interviews that I, I read about or with Pat Boone is he, he did say that, that, you know, something along those lines, someone assuming, yeah. that, you know, had told him maybe you should do a metal album. And he, he assumed it was all, you know, devil horns and, and uh, evil and spitting blood and all that. But yeah. he listened to the music and he got captivated by the music. 
and then and then you know the lyrics may or may not be a problem depending yeah right right but at the same time uh uh i i think that i don't know i think that guy gives it gives him a little bit of credit like hey you know this isn't bullshit there's something going on here yeah i mean right? he it's knew a, it was a novelty record yeah but he didn't it, you know there's some novelty records where it's clearly done under duress and i think he was at least in on the joke. But the band is pretty good. No, oh, yeah. I mean, he has a, a band, and they do this kind of music all the time. So when his arranger or band leader... These cock- arrangements are fantastic. Like, I enjoyed the hell out of this album yeah, because yeah. of it. This mm. is this is very... Uh, um, Somebody did a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and, and he gets help from some of the people that wrote the songs. We've got... Ronnie James Dio does backup on one of the tracks, and uh, Richie Blackmore does a guitar solo. Uh, the drummer uh, used to play with Jeff Lynne in an earlier, um, well, not an earlier, in the right. Zoom incarnation of yeah. uh, ELO. So there's really some some quality rock musicians who take this seriously. And Dweezil Zappa plays on it. I assume he does the Eddie Van Halen stuff, but... Um, Probably, yeah. So this is like... A- Almost uh, Mr. Bungley territory and how absurd it is sometimes. I mean, it's over the top. If Mike Patton was singing over these exact same recordings, Mm -hmm. I would listen to this daily. (laughs) Um, One of the things I like about it the most is that it started as a joke and they took the joke to the extreme and did it as well as they possibly could with, with wonderfully talented people and with that risk that it could fall flat. And in some ways, I think it did. But a lot of people like me really appreciated the joke and the effort and, and and the music for that matter. Yeah, I mean, you know, you considering he was going to sell as many copies of this album, whether it was well done or was hapdashedly tossed off in an afternoon. Yeah, they the leaned fact into they chose it. Yeah. to <laughs> actually put some time and effort into it is appreciable. And it was recorded at, at what Oceanway Studios? Yeah. Or yeah. Like, a, like a big time studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, there's a music video for one of the tracks, uh, Smoke on the Water, and you see Richie playing, you see Dio in the control room, and it's just uh, it's it's like spinal tap in a way, but without forcing the joke. Uh, they're they're like appreciating a genre that they hadn't dipped their toes into before, and it's just just really fun to see. This this might be the the like third album that we've done that is solidly more Spinal Tap than Spinal Tap. <laughs> well, and this is a very '90s album. I think in one way, you know, Swingers had just come out. The whole big band swing revival was, you know, Brian Setzer put right. together. Oh, I forgot orchestra. about that. Yeah, yeah, Big yeah. bad voodoo daddy. Yeah, and all that. <laughs> yeah, cherry popping daddies. There was, a, there was a, a brief period in the 90s where this was a, a thing. Lots of daddies. Yes, a lot of daddies. And, that was uh, a great band, the cherry mm. popping daddies. Yeah, and there was also, what was it, Squirrel Nut Zippers, I think, mm, was yeah, around that time. Yeah, those were, on, as far as I'm concerned. You know, yeah. there's... Squirrels can carry rabies. <laughs> but this was also a time when, you know, there was like a, I don't remember what credit card commercial it was, but there was a commercial that showed like a bunch of traditional enemies that were being friends like Tom and Jerry and Batman and the Joker. And one of the... Gorbachev and Reagan. Yeah, one of the shots was of Pat Boone and Alice Cooper because the two of them were good friends because they golfed together all the time. They were, you know... What, wow. kind of, what kind of handicap? And they had become is, estranged. Uh, Pat Boone. <laughs> no, but people thought it was unusual <laughs> oh, to see, see. Alice oh, Cooper yeah. and Pat Boone together. Actually, but, that makes perfect sense to me. But yes, they were big golfing buddies, and also around this time, um, 
Pat Boone lived next door to Ozzy Osbourne. Ah. Well, this was that the Crazy Train tracks used for when did the show start airing? Yeah, the right. Yeah, unfortunately, Pat Boone moved out right before they sold the show, and the the guy who moved in, Cuba Gooding Jr., was not nearly as friendly with them as Ozzy was. Yeah, but yeah, apparently. But, but I mean, they Cuba Gooding Jr. was a bad neighbor. <laughs> yes, he would call would, the cops on them about noise complaints I all would not the have time. That. Which a, Pat Boone perfectly okay with whatever Ozzy was doing in his next door mansion, which, you know, Pat Boone may be a lot cooler than we thought, but yeah. And then of course, a you ver- know, he uh, might be, yeah. sorry, uh, a version of crazy train ended up as the theme song to the Osbournes. It's yeah. not the Pat Boone recording, but it's very similar in sound. Yeah. They probably, Oh, it's not the Pat Boone not, recording. Well, no, I did not know that. Sounds yeah. a lot like it. So clearly yeah, yeah, yeah. they were inspired and just right, right. couldn't so get they, the rights or whatever. Oh, so they, they covered the cover. That's weird. Yeah. Hmm, that is weird. But talking about Alice Cooper, so once they recorded the album and it hadn't come out yet, Dick Clark got the idea to put Alice Cooper and Pat Boone on the American Music Awards to present an award to another artist who's covered on this album, Metallica. Ah. And that's where the... Bible hit the fan. Yeah. <laughs> Pat Boone you know, was in on the joke, but Pat Boone's main demographic... Not so much. And well, and you know, yeah. Nowadays, you know, Metallica's mainstream vanilla. You know, yeah. in '95, even they were still pretty much. Yeah. Well, and you you have crossed over to the dark side here. And Pat was, you know, playing up this sort of in a cosplay kind of way, wearing a dog collar yeah, and a leather vest with no shirt. And so what temporary does that say tattoos. About him? He looks very happy to be wearing that. Yeah. yeah. Show off his muscles. Yeah. Well, I don't know exactly how old he was, but he was in good shape for whatever age that was. Better shape than I've ever been in. So. But that cost him his TV show for a while. He was kicked off the. Trinity Broadcasting Network because his fans were concerned that he had gone to the dark side. Uh, I mean, as as much of a joke as this album may have seemed to be, yes, they did not. With fans like that, who needs record burners? <laughs> uh, exactly. Try not to have fans who can't take a joke. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, we should. I I would like to mention how much this reminds me of uh, uh, Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine. I wonder <laughs> how much he got inspired this, by this. Well, that I, abso- I couldn't stop thinking that. Or when Frank. Did, when did that come out? I, I don't know. He's been around for a while, but I don't know I if those the, were early two thousands. Yeah. Well, and Frank Bennett sort of did the same thing. Well, there was a there was a trend there. I think it started in the nineties of, yeah. of you know jazz acts because you're always you know jazz always covers standards, right? Yeah. And you put your yeah. own stamp to it, and so you want to do things that people recognize you know so if it's the 60s you play stardust everyone's like hey it's stardust if it's yeah. the 80s or 90s what what, what are people going to know right if you played stairway to heaven they'd figure it out right yeah. you know so so you start putting those things into your repertoire and maybe that's kind of what was going on here it's like yeah. uh you know here here's some pop music we can put a yeah. put a spin on there was and, also oh sorry oh, go ahead uh, uh, Toby Huss was doing a character that was kind of like the Frank Sinatra lounge singer parody guy. Like there was a, a you know, there's a tr- long tradition of goofing on these like, yeah, you tropes, know, chain smoking lounge singers with a martini yeah. in their hand in a in a comedic way. And yeah. and then this album inspired us a few other pop uh, or uh, 
standard singers to do the same thing like Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. They did I, Black Hole Sun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. On yeah. that Lounge of Palooza. And I think Paul Anka, like 10 years later, did a whole album. It was just vaguely rock. So, is I he mean, still alive, Paul Anka? I think he is, actually. But, I mean, it covers everything from like Nirvana to Chuck Berry. But, yeah. There's but it a was lot. an interesting time of these covers because at the same time all this was going on with the kind of the jazz lounge swing type thing, a lot of artists were putting out orchestral versions of, of their hits, like the you know the orchestral Led Zeppelin or the orchestral Rolling Stones or the orchestral right. Yes. So uh, it was a it was a a ripe time for cover versions. Metallica. It was a few years later, but Metallica did the one with Michael Kamen, and that was S and M. Yeah, S and M. Yeah, it was dumb. Well, that was dumb. I like Michael Kamen a lot, and Metallica's okay, but you know, I, I, like, you know what? That was. Dirty. I did like Michael Kamen. I yeah. don't after that. Yeah, I know. I was like, sorry, man. You, you broke my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, shall we dig into the actual album itself? It opens with um, a Judas Priest cover called You've Got Another Thing Coming. I said, I'll never get enough Stand tall, feeling young and kind of proud You know, one of the things I remarked right away listening to this was I am so happy I can hear all the lyrics very clearly Yeah, that is true. You get a a much cleaner, easier, uh, both the song structure and the lyrics You You can certainly parse everything out He... He enunciates. Do you think metalheads and hard rockers would have been in, as into Priest if, if they could like easily make out all of the words um. to every song? <laughs> yeah, it may be to their uh, detriment yeah, you know. if. Yeah. yeah. When I was listening to this again recently, I had I kept thinking, wow. That's what the lyrics were in the original song? I had no idea. I never paid that close enough attention to it to know uh, that that song was like complete nonsense, didn't mean a thing, or or that song was like this one. Uh, it's If you put it in a major key, it's a positive song saying, I'm yes. going to go out and grab the gusto of yeah, life. It's exactly what it is. Right. It's not, this, it's not this terrible revenge song. It's more about, <laughs> I'm going to get everything I deserve. Right? Yeah. Gloria Gaynor should have yeah, and who would, have, who would have known that without for Pat Boone? Yeah, exactly. He's, he's providing, yet again, his own unique service to the world. And as we just recently did, Judas Priest, this is this is an interesting... Uh, Compare and contrast. Well, 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 right, because the album that we did, Painkiller, was all about them... Uh, deciding we've had enough we're going to go as extreme as we want to be and yeah. we're going to be as heavy metal as possible <laughs> and then here is uh pat boone taking one of their songs and going the the other direction other yeah. direction but it's still their song yes yeah and well, one okay. of the things i like about that is that one of judas priest's early hits was a joan baez song diamonds mm-hmm. and rust yeah. was it really yeah which she wrote about Bob Dylan, who wrote the song The Ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest. Uh, it all connects. Wow. <laughs> wow. Bob Dylan is, is so much a part of everything. He's inescapable. Well, this thing is like Judas Priest and their, their career. Uh, 
this is mostly a hard rock album and not like most of these songs are like yeah, no, they're metal, not really metal. metal. Like, no, the Metallica one, maybe, but it's not even a real Metallica song. It's like a sellout, no, crappy no, Metallica the, song. <laughs> that, that was their pop song. Yeah. yeah. And so... <laughs> it was heavy. I mean, what's the most metal thing on here? Crazy Train, maybe? Yeah. Even that's a heavy rock. That's a rock song. Yeah, none yeah. of this is metal. Like, people see this, what I argue about all the time, is people don't understand what metal is. Yes. Yeah. It's There's just, a any, fine that's, line between hard rock and heavy anything metal. Anything that has distorted guitars, it's instantly classified as metal. Metal! But, um, but, um, but at the same time... I think the choices he made are indicative of his generation. Yeah. yeah. He would lump all this as, right. yeah. They're also, as you pointed out earlier, kind of from the contemporary songbook. They're not obscure, you know. Well, yeah, he doesn't have, stuff. like, These are yeah. songs that everybody knows. I mean, right. that's a, I'm, you, you, I'm a big fan of, exactly. of, of uh, you know, dub, dub reggae, kind of, you know, Jamaican dub music, and... Those are kind of one of the original, you know, modern forms of like dance remixes for songs. And a lot of the, the crazy manipulative stuff you do when you make a dub version of a song, the effect of it is sort of predicated upon the fact that the listener has is very familiar with the un, unmanipulated. Exactly. Like they know the source material. So, so you so can if, mess with if, it. If you hear the screwed up one first, it doesn't have the impact of like. Oh, I, I I think I know what's about to come up, and no. then it's something completely different. You have and to so, recognize the song, and, and a lot of the joy in this album, such that there is, and I think there's a fair amount of it. Um, the, the the joy in this album comes from that exact thing. Like that's that song. I know what it's all about. I know and, the original, and this ain't the original, and this is fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have a kind of a test that. If a song can be covered in a different genre and still be a good song, mm-hmm. then it's really a good song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think there's truth in that. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to a good performance or a good recording. But speaking of recording, shall we move on to the next one on this recording? The everyone's first song on the guitar, Smoke on the Water. By the way, I thought this was a very odd choice. It was. This is Sheila E. on the timbales. And then it comes with a side stick on the drums. Yeah. Yeah, it is a little sort of Tito Puente. Sheila E., really? Yeah. Oh, man. What's the budget like on this thing? <laughs> he, I don't know. He must have been a good neighbor. Yeah, right? yes. Because they were like all over this. We're with you, Pat. We're at the best place around. But some stupid with a flare gun. By the way, the album Machine Head, the pink, the deep purple album that this came off of. Yeah, I could never understand these lyrics. How could you? And apparently, the whole song's about you know a, 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 a fire, a casino in Montrose. Frank Zappa was playing a concert, and they burned the, they literally burned the place down. And yeah. So there was smoke on the water, Lake Geneva. Yes. These arrangements are tremendous. Like those yeah. horn squiggles are well, and the, awesome. The, the backing vocalists, I think, make a big oh, difference. That, that's, the backing vocals are almost ridiculous in their placement. Yes. Yeah. Well, Pat Boone's not a very good singer, is he? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's not, like, like I said, he's not does, bad, but 
I think he, no, I, I disagree. He is a good singer. That's yeah. That's the end of it. He is a competent <laughs> at you know making notes with his vocal cords. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have a unique timbre to his voice or no. a, a ridiculous is, is, range or none of that. Yeah, yeah. he is removing he is, the he personality. Is, he is not a great singer. He kind of reminds me of Gene Autry in that regard. That people yeah. like him. He's popular. But he's not really a refined instrument. No, he's... One of the things that I really like about this song is it reminds me of my childhood. When I was like in fifth or sixth grade, the local junior high stage band came to my elementary school and they did a stage band arrangement of Smoke on the Water that was very much like this. I could see that. I could easily see that. It's definitely it's a it's a musical tune in that sense. Deep Purple didn't think this song would be a hit. Uh, they they kind of threw it together after the fire. They were actually at the, uh, at the yeah scene. yeah. Then no, they were recording in a the, exactly. They were on Lake Geneva. They were supposed to be recording in some place, but uh, I think it, the place burned down. So they moved into this crappy hotel, and that's where they uh, or not a, a crappy hotel, a a band not. Off-season hotel. There you go. What it was, and, and uh, that's where they ended up recording the recording the album. I wonder if it's just a coincidence that this song mentions Frank Zappa and Dweezil Zappa is one of the guest artists. There are a lot of yeah cross pollinations. I noticed that he does do both Dio and Ozzy on this album, but no actual Black Sabbath. Yeah, or maybe that was you know Ozzy was only like you can't you can't have any Black Sabbath because you know. Well, he was still on the outs with them, I think, yeah. in the mid-90s. So well, Molly was had a visceral reaction to that guitar riff being played and was just turn it off. <laughs> well, it does. To this one, the, in, the in, a, in, a house, in a household full of guitar players <laughs> and bassists, you're like, never again. <laughs> well, with this song, that, that familiar riff is you know kind of draws all the attention. But the middle instrumental section, I think, is a really wonderful Latin percussion thing going on that yes. you, you'd almost think was, was Santana. Yeah, it is very sort of... Santana with the like horns said, and the timbales. Like Tito Fuente or something. Yeah, 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 yeah Louis yeah, Prima like, kind of. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, shall we move on to the next track? What do we got here? Ooh, it's ACDC. It's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. I do. Now, just by the way, I would <laughs> For those about to rock, never describe them as metal, but... Well, again, I think hard rock is sort of gets lumped into metal, particularly for those who are loud you know, and noisy. Yeah, yeah. They are. I, and it's also easier to sell as metal than Pat Boone does hard rock. I think it, it just the joke is funnier with the getting mad, getting took. I tell you folks, it's harder than it looks. It's a long way. I mean, it's it's almost like that Wichita Train Whistles yeah. album where they just, like, we're going to do every possible thing with the horns to make this work. Think it's easy to like, just, yeah, both compositionally and the chops that this band needs to pull some of this shit off is pretty crazy. I 
have to say though, I am very pleased that they did a Bon Scott uh, ACDC song rather than a later one. Well, it but, probably, um, you know, Pat Boone did still refuse to sing any lyrics that were sketchy, and it, it may have been easier to find a Bon Scott <laughs> than... I'm disappointed by the lack of bagpipes on this. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been nice. They really dropped the ball. <laughs> no, but again, it, it's, the, it's not that the horns are doing anything particularly um, difficult or crazy, but it's like, what were they glamming on to? Yeah. What part of the song did they figure they, that this would... Yeah. Were they trying to copy <laughs> Angus? Were they trying to... Yeah, it's... it's was it a, a different song they happened to be playing earlier that day and yeah. decided to just uh, repeat it? <laughs> hey, yeah, we can fit that on top of this. <laughs> One thing that I appreciate about, about this album in general, and this song in particular as well, is how by changing the arrangement, I appreciate the chord progressions more. And a lot of things that were maybe broken chords on the original record, they don't quite stand out all that much compared to, to this where you have a whole horn section playing the full chord and you really appreciate what's going on in the undercarriage of the song. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, you do have to, you can't just rely on the root and fifth. you got to have the whole, right. and when you, the when third a, and maybe a seventh on top of there and all sorts of... When you got a Blair and Marshall and you're, you're, you know, you're hammering those power chords, there are overtones that come out that sound good. Yes. But, you know, if you're a horn section, those aren't going to be there. So maybe you arrange those into it. You yeah. know, like you uh, you fill out the chords, as you were saying. Yeah. And I thought Pat's voice really feels in its element in this song, probably more so than some of the others. It, it almost I could imagine him singing this song in the 60s. Yeah. I, that's one thing I appreciate is they don't really slow the, the tempos down on most of the songs. They're not like, this is the slow jazz version. No, they play it pretty a much long a long way to the, the top, top, if you want yeah. to And he enunciates so <laughs> thoroughly. I mean, that's one of the things that d- distinguishes this from, like, say, a Ray, you know, Richard Cheese, is that Pat Boone is not trying to be funny. He's trying to sing these songs, which on one hand lowers the amount of humor, so it's not as funny as it could have been, but it does make them... But it makes it more relevant somehow. Yeah, it, it's, it's like a, a little more sincere, which is odd since, you know, I imagine Richard Cheese personally listens to more Metallica than Pat Boone ever has her will. Well, you know, with the humor aspect of it, it's almost like it's it's gone to the other side of the curve. Yeah, where it's so straight that it's it's really ridiculous. Well, and and like you were saying, if he if he you know if he was neighbors with Ozzy Osbourne, I could I could completely see how he would be this sort of straight laced neighbor, you know, who had this like musical career and all of that, and he's engaging with these people that are like from his perspective completely over the edge, and 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 um, making friends with them. Hey, you know, like we're neighbors, we're barbecuing, we're doing whatever we do. Yeah. It's like I can sing your songs. Yeah, you know. You know and it's like like a, I don't know. It, it seems like a genuine enthusiasm. He doesn't seem to be faking it here. No, no. He's I, I mean, any more than he always did, like with Tutti Frutti or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I read an, uh, an interview with him where he was saying that when he started to listen to songs to possibly use on this album, it's like, wow, Smoke on the Water is not about drugs. <laughs> exactly. Well, the wind quiet, quiet Mary. That's not about marijuana. It's about right. a woman named Mary. I had exactly. no idea. <laughs> yes. And I think that his his core audience that they kind of lost for a while because of this, they just saw rock and roll and they saw the song titles and the band names and 
just assumed that it was all bad uh, uh, without actually listening. Right. And, and there he is, you know, um, looking over to the fence at his neighbor, Ozzy, drinking orange juice with his family like everyone else does. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, yeah. yeah. Or lemonade. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, shall we? What do we got next? We got, um, ooh, Panama. <laughs> so I would just like to preface this one in, I don't have no clue if I like it or not. <laughs> Tapping top down. Burning down the avenue Model citizen Zero discipline Hey, don't you know She's coming home with me You're a loser In the turf I'll get up On this one, I can, I can hear I can hear the band struggling a bit. It's that weird kind of stuff that Eddie would do that doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. Musically, but always sounds great when he does it. That, yeah. Well, there's a reason why this song has the electric yeah, yeah. guitar going through the whole thing and not just you know right. making a little appearance. burning down the avenue. Hit the on that she can't do. I just wanted to I wanted to hear the the bridge. Oh, that's, that's the part where I got a little confused. With the, the spoken word? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. He changed the lyric a little bit to make it a little bit more PG rated. Yeah. Still, it's as close to Pat Boone being seductive in your ear <laughs> as you're ever gonna get. Which I, I think next to the Minutemen's ain't talking about love cover, this is probably the second best Van Halen cover. That <laughs> makes you smile. You gotta give yeah. it that. Ooh, flutes. There's a lot of spoken word sections. When we get to the, uh, the Metallica yeah. song, yeah. he's he's praying in the middle of <laughs> Really a great brand. I think this this section really showcases them. Well, yeah, no, they're yeah the trumpet players. Really nice stereo separation too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How many takes to get that line? <laughs> Coming off. The heat coming off. Between my legs. He <laughs> left that part out. Yeah, we're, we're all grateful. Because <laughs> I think we're in for a ride. This part. Yeah. Jazz hands. Yeah, when cool. I was listening to this album, uh, this song recently, I realized, oh, that's a. Uh, what's, what's the thing when you tell a story that uh, it really means something else? It's a metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's an allegory. It. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. But maybe a, it is. Maybe no, it's 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 a political screed all about the 
Panamanian invasion and the, the canal turnover. I thought it was about Granada. There you go. Yeah. Granada just had too many syllables. <laughs> Granada. No, that, was, that was a great car, by the way. <laughs> so, so what does this say? Uh, I don't know. Like, um, what all you think about that is like, uh, I think the Van Halen song Panama is a stroke of genius, but, but as we were mentioning earlier, um, I'm not sure it holds up as well with the treatment of a, yeah, it may not be as, as well written a song. It may require more of the performance to, now, how would you compare it to David Lee Roth doing, I'm just a gigolo and uh, California girls. Well, that that well, like with a with a just a just a gigolo or California girls, both of those. I thought those were perfect for the time, and I thought that his over the top uh, sort of um, a smarmy um, a ring ringmaster kind of you know presence and all of that. It was like it was perfect, but it was still kind of jokey. Yeah, you know, you know mm-hmm. I don't think it was terribly sincere, but um, uh, well, he's, but, a, he's the rock and roll clown, man. But, the, but this seems, I think, I think this song, <laughs> I think actually, you know, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I think this song might have been a little too complicated for the bands that, I mean, not that they couldn't play it. Obviously, they could play it. It sounded great what they were doing. Yeah, but I don't think you can get into a song like this unless you've, um, you know, kind of dived in for. It's a holy diver. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm just really happy you didn't, you know, uh, cover a Van Hagar tune. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I might Van have refused Sharon. to listen to this. No, so. no. It's like, this, this is one of the first I listened to. I was like, I want to hear this. I want to know how they figured this one out. There's a and, great uh, uh, Reggie Watts cover of, of Panama if you go looking on the internet. Yeah, you'll have to check that out, too. Yeah, yeah. Well... Shall we go on to the, 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 not the title track, but the subtitle track? I got a bad His golfing buddy, Mr. Alice Cooper. And I don't know why. Does Pat have like a single digit handicap too? Probably. See, like, like, like I was saying, like, Panama is just starting to get complicated. Yeah. Most of the songs have a little more straightforward groove. Like, yeah. Like this one. Yeah. You know? I imagine this one being autobiographical about this phase of his life. Yeah. Sweet, sweet thing till they got a hold of me. I open doors for little old ladies. I help the blind to see. I got no friends cause they read the papers. They can't be seen with me. And I'm getting real shot down and I'm feeling me. Mr. Nice Guy No more Mr. Clean No more Mr. Nice Guy Is he he's sick? He's obscene Well, and the thing with most metal or hard rock songs is the guitar solo is a big chunk of the song and so each of these arrangements has to come up with something to do in that hole right, since right. they're not having the guitar solo anymore Getting real shot down and I'm feeling me. So no more. Well, Alice Cooper wore a top hat and cane too, so yeah. And so this is kind of ties together 
the stunt of having those two guys on the American Music Awards presenting to Metallica. Yeah. I remember watching that on like, yeah, live yeah, yeah. on on a regular TV. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I, that, that that you know that does make sense. Yeah. That does tie it all in together. Uh, I kind of wish he had done something like "Schools Out." I mean, I can lyrically, I can understand why this one spoke to him, but yeah, I think musically, "Schools Out" would have been or sixteen, right? Sixteen or something. Yeah, yeah, but then again, that just shows that... Um, 18. 18. Well, and, and you know me. Yeah. yeah. 16, yeah. Depends on what state we'll you're in. We'll edit that out. Right? <laughs> she's sexy and 17. She's 16. 18, she's 18. She's, yeah, in some states. Uh, let's see. Love Hurts, which actually is not originally a, a metal tune, but was originally by the Everly Brothers. Oh, right. Everly Those dudes Brothers. rocked, man. Yeah, but, you know, there was that popular version by what was it Nazareth yeah sorry about that this is one of the few where he slows the tempo down and turns it into a ballad but you know considering the song it's not it's such a sad sad song the way he does it yeah I think I like this version better than either Nazareth or the Everly Brothers He didn't cover any striper. <laughs> to hell with the devil. Well, actually, he does have some parallels with striper because they really offended the uh, conservative Christian. Oh yeah. Uh, community as well uh, with with their uh, lyrics like "To hell with the devil" that sort of thing. <laughs> really? And uh, you know, on the, I think they're like fourth album. Yeah. They come out with one that's an album that's called "Against the Law" and it shows them in jail and it's almost like this album where it, it's presenting them in a way I mean they were already offended, offensive to some people but then they take it to another extreme well there you go <laughs> yeah there, there's some sort of subtlety here that I'm missing you know that I think that I think you've gone done to is that 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 um Whatever is rubbing his Christian fans the wrong way, there might be a lot of subtext there that we don't understand yeah. or know about. I, I, it's probably a good time to mention just the the weird irony of you know, this came up on the uh, Judas Priest podcast. And anytime we talk about anything metal, and that's you know the blackest black metal comes from these really really you know affluent Christian countries, and it just. Singing about the devil and, you know, death and macabre evil shit, you know, doesn't really have any weight if, you're, if you don't believe in the devil or God or anything like that. This is a reactionary kind of music, or, you know, any, any kind of you know, metal or, or rock and roll that specifically mentions, you know, quote unquote blasphemous stuff. It only really has weight to it if, if you know, the predominant culture has 
you know, is, is really rooted in, in like a Christian sort of thing, or, or you know. So it's really funny that I don't, I've always, you know, kind of laughed at that. It's like, well, if you don't believe in, if you're not afraid of hell and you don't believe in God, then this is silly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is pretty silly. But I, I think with with with. Uh, you know, to concur with that, I, I think also with uh, with Pat Boone in this, you know, I think it's possible that the backlash that he was experiencing was was probably a backlash he was already experiencing. Yeah. And this this was this was his way of saying, "Hey, look, look, I have friends I know are good people." Yeah. And you guys are you even know, though they have long hair right, and where right, they right. wear tight leather pants or you know right. whatever. And, and you may or may not like their music, but I'll show you that their music is cool because yeah. I I'll sing it and it'll be cool. You know. And and yeah, if they listened, they well I I don't think they converted a single one. But. Probably not. Well, back to you know what Rick was saying about if you can you know take a, a popular song and just drop it into a comp- completely different style with a completely different you know singer and band and and it still works it's a good song oh absolutely and this this uh, song the way he the oh, the way it's arranged and also his performance i mean i almost want to cry listening yeah. to this song it's so emotional it 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 feels like something that you would hear in a movie soundtrack oh yeah yeah well especially do, a made for tv movie yeah. a lot of these arrangements that's the thing that i um, wanted to mention uh, as uh, um, John Barry scores mm. are like this is very like classic Hollywood blown out big movie score kind Howard of Howard the Duck some of Lush. it yeah <laughs> uh huh ding 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 ding, <laughs> ding that was awesome ding 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 we all remember how good that was yes look it up kids <laughs> Howard the Duck Based on a true story. The rock songs were all done by, um, uh, uh, who's the blinded me of science guy? Thomas Dolby. Thomas Dolby. It was Thomas Dolby. It was it was his band. He should have done. They should have gotten Rick Dees. And there's an Ohio guy. He got he got uh, Joe Walsh to play on that too. Well, there you go. So, it's time for a a critical reassessment of the Howard the Duck soundtrack. But um, (laughs) yes. I I agree, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> Indeed. What uh, what record label put this out, Scott? Hippo. Hippo. Okay. Are Hip- they tied to anything oh. bigger or? They mostly do like you know if somebody falls off their record label like Amy Mann or whatever, they will scoop up and put out a cheap compilation. They're not really known okay. for. What's the most dangerous animal known to man? The uh, man. Uh, the mosquito. Okay. Yeah. Malaria. Fleas. <laughs> well, the I, Sandman. I, I was going to say the hippo, but the, hippo, <laughs> the hippopotamus. It's right up there. Some of this, some of these tunes really scream. Use me in a movie montage. <laughs> like really, we could use the. We could you know we'll take like a, a tenth of a point. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. I, so I just wondered if this was already like you know the record label was like tied. Now, to now a- remember, these need to have at least a. You know, a, a a short interlude with the little bit of the head that we can drop right into, yeah, a movie or a TV show. Now remember what we were all saying earlier: that a good song played in a different style, you know, it's good if it will still sound good. Hmm. I wonder why you're bringing this up. I Let's see, listen to interesting that, and I, uh, I'm pretty sure I agree with you. Hush, you guys, I want to hear this song. (laughs) What song? (laughs) Yeah, as a a bass player, it sucks when you have to, like, do the jazz, you know, a a four-feel swinging 
walking bass thing <laughs> over like not even two chords. Mm-hmm. To vamp over one chord and make it sound interesting, it's really boring. I was disappointed they didn't put like some sort of chordettes tribute in there. Mr. Sandman. Oh shit, we'll get flagged. They could have been more creative with this Yes, yes. I I think I, I think, think you were right when you said there <laughs> might not have been much to work with. <laughs> I think Pat only picked it because it had that, that prayer breakdown, which somehow gets even creepier when you got the kid and Pat doing it. Well, as I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> that made me think of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Exactly. <laughs> Kid come from. I think that was Jeremy, and I understand he spoke in class today. Oh yes, Jeremy's spoken. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> We're moving on. Yeah. You know, uh, one uh, little bit of trivia on the American Music Awards, which we keep referring to, or yes. I keep referring to, when they presented the uh, some sort of award to Metallica, one of the members of Metallica said, "Oh, Pat's our new lead singer." So it almost was true. Yeah. Uh, you know, if Axel Rose can be the lead singer of ACDC, I think Pat Boone could have done a television. Anything oh, is possible. That reminds me, Axel Rose was briefly married to a daughter of one of the Everly brothers, I believe. <gasps> oh, no. I'll have to check Wikipedia to make sure, but I think Wikipedia has that bit of information. Who was the sister-in-law of Bob Dylan? Uh, sure. Or it might have been his mother's brother. I always get those guys mixed up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good enough. It's as if all these people live like those near one another. Yeah, it's all <laughs> the same street. <laughs> the, the street of dreams. Holy diver. <laughs> the beginning of this song is absolutely beautiful. It is. It is touching and, and unnecessary. And you can hear little elements in it that go back to the source material where it was this really kind of horrible uh, scary sounding drone in the original recording but they've drawn out musical elements from it that I didn't even notice until I heard this now I always assumed that this song was about cunnilingus I'm pretty sure this song is about nothing. It makes no <laughs> sense to me at all, but it's one of my favorite. There you go. Yeah, actually, you're the, Scott, yours is the first explanation that's made any sense to me. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so, so look at, huh, like, I that. Yeah. Well, I never studied Latin, so I don't know what you're talking about. Shout out to Doc and Jackson from the Venture Brothers for uh, their character. <laughs> the Holy, Ronnie Holy Jean- Diver. <laughs> Ronnie James Dio actually does sing back up on this track. Yeah, and they kind of bury him in the mix with all the other backing vocalists, which, you know, why bother having him? I don't, why have him? You would think it would have made him like a duet or something. What's becoming of me? Ride the tiger You can see his stripes, but you know he's clean Oh, don't you know what I mean? Gotta get away Holy diver Ride the tiger. You can see his stripes, but you know he's clean. Ronnie doesn't have two lines in a row that go together. No. (laughs) But it doesn't seem to matter. No. Well, when you you sound like Ronnie Dio, you can sing whatever you want. 
I notice there's also a biblical passage towards the end of this one as well. Oh yes, it's uh, Psalm 23 for those of you following along at home. Yes, your Detours and Outliers Bible Study Hour. <laughs> it is very holy. You're the star of the masquerade. No need to look so afraid. That is the only problem with doing it, an album like this. It, the joke starts wear thin by track eight. Yeah, and this, we have 12 tracks on this song. Yes, yes. Right. This one should, you know, well, actually, I would have, I, intellectually, this song should have worked better. Yeah. Because it is is way cheesier and way more finger snappy. Yes. But for some reason, uh, they stayed a little too close to the original, and perhaps that's why, but it, it's not as... It's just very yeah. syrupy. Yeah, the tempo is almost identical to the original. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, oh. but like you said, like what what the hell is Ronnie James Dio talking about on the original song? I have no a, idea. A, a, a tiger that you ride, but he's clean. It's Don't be really, riding no dirty tigers it's now. Like a, it's yeah. like a, and yeah, and and considering that Ronnie was in the room with them, maybe that's why it sounds so close to the original. Like, yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. they were afraid to diverge because Ronnie would have. Scolded them. Hit them yeah. over the head with a rainbow. <laughs> there you go. He would have rolled them clean. Yes. Holy diver. We're getting towards the end. Let's keep going. How does a guy that little have such a big voice? This is what I'm <laughs> he, he has 90% diaphragm. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that one is just sad because it, when, like we said before, Everybody kind of has these are in the popular songbook, and everybody has these burned into their brains. Yeah, and so it's it's hard to take a song that has like a heroic lead vocal mm. that everybody knows and do right. the do the f- completely flat, plain vanilla Pat Boone treatment on the lead on the same vocal. It's it's like you're leading the archons in the battle or something. And when you've seen and, a bunch uh, of these other songs where they they made something else the the main focus so right. rather than the, you know, the, what was the main yeah. focus in the original. Now, if, if he could have done a different Dio song, either with the Dio solo career or Elf or Black Sabbath, what would it be? I think he would do a, a great question. job with Heaven and Hell, but he'd have to change it to Heaven and Heck. Yeah. <laughs> Rainbow in the Dark. <laughs> oh, Rainbow, I don't know. I, actually, actually, Rainbow in the Dark has all those uh, very goofy synthesizer stuff. Those would be really cool mm. with chords. I mean, with um, horns yeah. playing mm. the chords of the of the. I could see synthesizers. That. That I once I once played have, uh, uh, Rainbow in the Dark on a pipe organ at at a temple in Independence, Missouri. <laughs> nice. And 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 the <laughs> organist who let me play the organ said, "What is that? That sounds familiar. I really like that." And so, uh, Ronnie James Dio? <laughs> <laughs> they probably went, yeah, right on. Right. <laughs> evil eye. Evil eye. <laughs> Speaking of Chinese democracy, take me down to the Paradise City, which apparently is Vegas. Yeah, this is Vegas as hell. Home of the Parasi- Paradise Casino. <laughs> yes. Lucis Slots How long in town. have you had that giant neon sign there? <laughs> oh. And headdress. <laughs> Has that been here the whole time? <laughs> no, I had a, the guy shipped it in last week. Yeah. Looks good. You know, I almost called this the 
Parasite City because I used to work in a casino and that's what we called our employee lunchroom. (laughs) The Parasite Cafe. (laughs) This really does look like a montage with the slots pulling and the The, dice flying. Yeah, the the cards shuffling. The cards shuffling, right, exactly. This is another song where I had no idea what the real lyrics were. And then I listen to this, and I, and I still don't know what they are. <laughs> you gotta keep pushing for fortune and fame. It's all a gamble when it's just a game. You try it like a capital crime. It's too bad he didn't cover Riyadh and the Bedouins. Well, you know what's weird about this one is that, uh, um, I remember when I first heard Paradise City, I, I thought, what a derivative song this is. You know, this is like maybe when I first saw it on TV. In college in the 80s or something, right? That was like, well, is this a derivative song? It's kind of fun, but it's like you've sort of heard this before. And then this version of it is completely different, yet it is so Vegas front. Yeah. It's like, I've heard this already. I've already heard this song. Yes. So it's just like, a, maybe it just lends itself to that. Dig up fat, uh, you know, jumpsuit wearing Elvis. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn him loose on this one. That's my favorite Elvis, by the way. Oh, yeah. James Burton. They didn't offer him that on the, the stamp. I would have voted for that in a second. Thank you very much. This pause was brought to you by the fat bloated Elvis. Elvis on the commode. <laughs> Music from the Elder. By the way. We love fat bloated Elvis. Oh, Brought yeah. to you by the Colonel. <laughs> Finger licking good. And Valium. And then, of course, if you want to do something that is proto metal from Jimi Hendrix, what you should pick is a slow ballad. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Purple Haze had already been covered by Ozzy. Yeah. After all the jacks are in their boxes And the clowns have all gone to bed You can hear happiness staggering on down the street Footprints resting This is one of the great weather songs Yes Whispers Mary Blowing in the wind. We need, yeah, that's like another good weather song. Riders on the storm. Yeah. Ironically, weather report doesn't yeah. have any. <laughs> it's raining men. <laughs> Up the broken pieces of yesterday. It's cold outside. <laughs> Somewhere. Snowblind. <laughs> they wanted to call the album that, and the record label was like, no way, you maniacs. It won't sell in the summertime. Speaking of Black Sabbath, they could have, what is that, After Forever? Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, Black Sabbath has a bunch of Christian-y shit floating around in there. They have Sabbath in the name. Yeah. I really like how the guitar solo melody translates. To a horn line. Oh, it's a good song. But that's lo- probably lots to work with. Yeah, it's probably a tribute to Jimmy as much as anything. That yeah. You yeah. Could just take those harmony lines and just toss them on. Right. And it's, it's like, an example of a track that stays pretty close to the original. 
but still sounds good where some of the others that were kind of close to the original we had some right, right. Yeah. We, wanted, we wanted them to just do something different yeah. you know? I think Jimmy has a better singing voice but it's with me you know I agree <laughs> <laughs> and then they really needed a guitar player who was left handed you can yeah. tell yeah yeah. Ah, too bad Kurt was, was already it, dead let's get this right Voodoo. Ding, ding. He knows both of those notes. Got to turn my headphones around. Well, the penultimate track, his his neighbor's song and not the theme to the Osmonds or the Osbournes. I, I, I. I tried to, to change are my... Those, are, those tr- <coughs> are those trombones? That's what, what it sounds that? like. Yeah. yeah. The, the bendy ones there, yeah. Is there a vibratone on this album somewhere? Mm. Probably. <laughs> that is the best part. <laughs> hey, but that's how it goes. Hey. Yeah. Millions of people living as foes. I'm here all week. See, living as foes. Yeah. It's not too late. It's not too late. This, this song really has a positive message. Yes. You know, most of Black Sabbath's lyrics have a positive message. Yes. This is almost... I am an Iron yeah. Man. Even the druggy ones have. Yeah. Well, that's more a foreboding one. Yes. Yeah. So, you know. This is almost like uh, uh, Imagine by John Lennon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or Peace Train by Cat oh, yeah. Stevens. Or Love Train by uh, the OJs. Or The Last Train to Clarksville by the Monkees. There you go. There's Chattanooga Choo Choo. <laughs> there you go. Pardon me, boys. I've listened to preachers. I just want to get people to do that for me. I would. I just want to have that ability. <laughs> to get well-trained singers to go crazy, crazy chain, yes, yes, yes. choo-choo. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I imagine it costs money. It's so over the top ridiculous. <laughs> Indeed, but it was the only uh, thing that would make this work. Hey, the media sells it. We should give a big shout out to Bob Daisley for uh, writing this song and <laughs> not getting any money for it. Oh, I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. Well, technically, well, Bob Daisley, Ozzy, and uh, Randy, but uh, uh, yeah, I thought Randy wrote all the guitar riffs. Yeah. Bob Daisley wrote. Bob Daisley and and, and, uh, and Randy wrote. Wrote most of the songs on Blizzard. Um, and there are a lot of people who say that Ozzy was in no shape to contribute anything. He but, was, you know, maybe uh, present. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. If, and, you, if you add a word or two, they'll give you songwriting credit. But um, but uh, well, if you listen, to, you know, if you listen to the bass playing on these album on on Blizzard in particular. It's the hooky parts of the songs. I would argue in some cases it's a lot more important than so it all Ran- Randy, out, yeah. Randy's guitar playing. Right, right, right. And, uh, and Ozzy gave him the boot and, well, the, and refused to pay him anything and pulled one of the, have some ringers re-record his parts so he wouldn't oh. even get performance hmm. credit. All of the original uh, Sabbath stuff, I mean, not all of it, the vast majority of the, the lyrics were written by Geezer. Right. right? Mm-hmm. You know, so Ozzy was the... Interpreter. Yes. Well, and bass players have always had bad luck in metal. I mean, look at James Newstead. Yeah. Jason. 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 Yeah, see? He's already <laughs> well, good. Flotsam and Jetsam's way better than any Metallica, so. Yeah. Metallica didn't get good until Bob Rock came around to play bass for him. 
Well, <laughs> this song has a, 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 I'll call it a place in my heart. I don't know if it's a special place or a warm place, <laughs> uh, because this was uh, played at my wedding reception, oh. uh, the original version by Ozzy. And uh, uh, my love of the song turned out to last longer than my marriage. Uh, well. But it always harkens back to that special day when well, I hear at least, it. At least it has the happy part yes. yeah. connected to it. Yes. Although generally avoiding songs with the word crazy in it, it during your wedding reception may be a, Although this, yeah, a bit this, of advice. This next song makes uh, proprietors of guitar shops all over America extremely yeah, happy. If you if you didn't want to hear the the you know Deep Purple, this is the other one you will hear at Guitar <laughs> Center. And the good news is it's the last song. Yes. I mean, even Dread Zeppelin waited till like their third or fourth album to cover this. Wait, that's not a Mellotron. No, it's an actual flute. Well, the the original was uh, was John Paul Jones playing a recorder. Oh, I thought he was playing a Mellotron. I think it's a recorder. It could be. Yeah. You could be right. It's actually in tune. It warbles the whole. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. So. I was gonna ask if they if that was uh, John Paul Jones guesting <laughs> playing recorder on. They dropped the ball. Now I wonder if this recording came up in that recent lawsuit. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it is definitely a different arrangement. They've put it in three, four times. This is like the biggest change to a song that has been made on the whole album. Is one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. Little jazz waltz. Yes. And it switches over to something else toward the middle, and then it goes back to the jazz a little bit, to the waltz a little bit. I think the yeah, I think the original has. I could be completely mistaken. Way back when, when I was. Uh, learning it there there's like there's dropped bars here and there so yeah, it might be, yeah. make more sense to just put it in three four the whole just, time yeah there. save yourself the trouble right yeah Ooh, it makes me another right. song with dumb dumb lyrics and, and some more good news about this recording is that it's about three minutes shorter than the original that's always a plus really so what are dumb dumb lyrics are those like the uh, you know when you've got a hustle in your bedrow, don't be alarmed now. That is, no, that's only hedgerow. Hedgerow. Oh, it's well, a bustle in your hedgerow. Which well, is, of course, makes... the shrubbery around your yard. Yes. Which is the shrubbery around your yard, exactly. And I hate it when my bustle gets stuck in there. <laughs> I demand another shrubbery. <laughs> I don't get it. This song is deep. Makes me wonder. The delivery. For the make Eddie Which I think this is kind of calling back to Celtic folklore, right? Well, a bird in the hand is worth two in the hedgerow. Your exactly. And it won't go in case you don't know. The piper's calling you to join. That's sort of back into 4 4 kind of. Yeah. Lady, can you hear the wind blow? And did you know? Your stairway lies on the wind. So I wanted to hear how they handled the guitar solo. I think they just skip it. And as we walk, like three quarters of the song, and then would that lady be Sharon Osbourne? Could be. Could be Sharon Stone. There walks a lady. Well, I love Led Zeppelin. 
you yeah. are, you, and I would be happy. It's an unpopular opinion, Matt. I know. I, I, I it know. would be so much better if they were a reggae band and they I had really, an Elvis I impersonator. I really love Led Zeppelin. Well, there, I don't mind yeah. that song, but I'd be okay if I never heard it. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is a, uh, a cover of that song by a band called Dread Zeppelin. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I love covers of this song for some reason. Carl Jobs. Yeah. But yeah. One of my favorite is Far Corporation. Which is a studio band from the producer of Millie Vanilli, and it is awesome. I will have to look that up. And by the way, Frank Zappa did a cover of this on his last touring band, where he had the horn section learn the Jimmy Page guitar solo, and he had the horn section play the guitar solo. Well, there you go. Which, by the way, is not an easy thing to do. I can't imagine it would be. There is a uh, thereminist in Germany named Carolina Eich, and she can do the guitar solo on her theremin. That would be something to check out. It's on YouTube. Definitely. Wow. <laughs> so that that is. <laughs> Dude, I was going to ask if uh, did, we need more. That... Wait, wait, wait. We, we we need more Stairway to Heaven stories. <laughs> yeah, we do. It's not. Yeah, we squeeze that rock. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how yeah. many of you out there got to first base the first time oh, to Stairway to Heaven? Yeah. No, it was the, mm-hmm. was the Zappa cover born out of the people shouting shit? Yeah, yeah, I think, same, I think, same I think as, it was. Uh, yeah. Freebird. Well, no, 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 and and, and I think it was also, with, with his band, it was also, it happened to be one of the guys in the band knew the solo, so he was like, charted out. Yeah. And yeah. so that was that. And it had, yeah. <laughs> well, that was the, uh, Frank Zappa would... When people would yell Freebird, they would play Freebird. And when, in fact, when people would yell out any song, they would play that song. Um, and they, you know, he always said if even one person in the band knew the tune, they could, they could right, murder right, they, it they could, first try without right. <laughs> the rest of the band not even. Ever. And that they, they, no. they used to close on the Allman Brothers whipping post because one time somebody yelled out whipping post and <laughs> no one in the band knew it. So they, they had to learn they it. They had to learn it. But there are stories of him playing. Uh, Freebird for the whole concert because people wouldn't stop yelling Freebird. Well, well, you know, be careful what you ask for. The guy sitting to your left, Scott Livingston. W- you know, we saw him at a show. You might have been there actually. We saw him at a show at the um, uh, well, what the hell is that place? The um, it doesn't matter. But anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> it was great. Venue. They spontaneously or Scott spontaneously went into playing Wicked Game, and the whole band caught on right away, and they they uh, they cranked it out. No, no, I think I was at that. Yeah. No, no apologies. Oh, I I think we all owe an apology to Chris Isaac <laughs> for that one. And doesn't your band also do Eye of the Tiger? We've 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 busted out a lot of odd covers yeah. without a lot of practice over the years. Um, Again, apologies to Survivor or <laughs> anyone else who survived that song. <laughs> Chris Isaac doesn't need your apologies. He just needs your praise. Oh, yes. Well. So I think I heard a cover of this song a few weeks ago when I was in Vegas. I went to the uh, Britney's, the Rock Vault show at the Hard Rock Hotel. It's a, a, a rating the Rock Vault. And I think they did at least part of, of Stairway to Heaven. It was a bunch of... People who were semi-famous in the uh, rock and heavy metal genre, and they were kind of like a cohesive band with about three or four different singers, and they covered several of the songs on this Pat Boone album. I don't know if they knew they were reading the Pat Boone Vault. <laughs> but most of us don't know where it. <laughs> if you make it to Vegas anytime soon, go check out that show. Sammy Hagar never has a band until it's like too that. Late. Indeed. <laughs> you heard about this? Sammy Hagar has a band called The Circle, and they uh-huh. basically just play 
classic rock tunes. That's a, yeah, that's, that seems sadly appropriate. Yeah, yeah, you should have been doing that the whole time. <laughs> nah, chicken foot. <laughs> chicken foot. I can yeah, pretend yeah. that chicken foot doesn't exist, but Van Hagar is a little, yeah, too omnipresent. Yeah, but you know, Ronnie Mode Montrose. You know, he has a great, uh, mostly instrumental album, uh, the name of which I can't remember at this moment, but it's got some theremin on it. Yes, and nice. some owned Martineau. <laughs> and uh, it's really nothing like Sammy Hagar. Everything is better when it's not like Sammy Hagar. <laughs> well, is there any last closing thoughts we want to make on Pat Boone? I mean, if you like this album, should you bother with any of the rest of Pat Boone's as far no. as rock and roll goes, he is the butt of everyone's joke. If you knew anything, anything at all, about <clears throat> these history of rock and roll, yeah. Um, yeah. Where, where he would just sort of, um, you know, do his insidious take of, like you said, um, Tutti Frutti. Oh, Rudy. Right, that, 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 that sort of thing. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of think, uh, I think he was a good neighbor. I'm all right with him. Yeah. But I don't think if you like this album, you should go buy the Pat Boone box set because there's nothing else in his, as far as I know. I think there's no. nothing in his catalog that would rival Come close this. to yeah, yeah. yeah. I really like this, but I, uh, I want to hear an update. I, you know, it's like I'd like to hear this done with. I think he's in his 90s now. So with, uh, yeah, I know it's it's yeah. it's not going to happen, but and maybe I, have him do some insane clown posse. Exactly. Like, or if, if you're if you're going to really call it metal, do some really extreme weird weird Mastodon. Metal. You know, Mastodon. <laughs> I'm, I'm Mastodon's pretty mainstream. They're kind of the Metallica. He could now. make. He could Napalm yeah. Death. He could do well, some. Na- Napalm could, Death would be a good one. He could do some Mastodon. I could see that. There you go. Ooh, Pat Boone does Napalm Death scum. <laughs> Sides one and two. That would be killer. <laughs> Coming well, soon to a record store near you. Cannibal Corpse. There you yeah, go. Yeah, Cannibal Corpse. Uh, um, uh, Cryptopsy cover. Winger. Ooh, yeah. Winger, my favorite metal band. Yeah. But, you know, as a, as a footnote to his career, this is a pretty good footnote. Yeah. yeah. Two years ago was the 20th anniversary of the release of this album. And it actually got another run in the news cycle. Uh, there was some coverage about it, the 20th anniversary, and I think there might have been a limited re-release. And uh, it, he's ridden this joke far beyond... It's pretty amazing. Really. He, yeah. Then it, it's uh, yeah. something to be... That, so there uh, must be something yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's not just... I mean, do people still, you know, talk about this album. You know, it's... Well, I do. <laughs> it's big in, you know, gag gifts and white <laughs> elephant exchanges. and This is getting played at every party that I have. Yeah, but yeah, you, you know, <laughs> I guarantee you, fantastic. if you give your mother-in-law um, Twisted Sisters Christmas album, it's not going to go over... No, not like this would. No, because yeah, <laughs> I've listened to that too. It's I really uh, like the Tab Falco Christmas album that came out last year, year or two ago. I think there you go. It's pretty good. I'm not sure I've met your mother-in-law. Um, you're you're not missing much. <laughs> you like my mother-in-law? She, well, she yeah. likes Christmas. So. Well, there you go. She likes, she likes Christmas and jazz music. And yeah. What more do you need in life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, my mother-in-law might like it. So I guess that will wrap it up for this album. Um. Give us a brief synopsis of what the Theremin 30 podcast is all about and where people can find it. Okay, well, Theremin 30 is theremin30.com is the website, and it's on about uh, 10 different um, podcast hosting things, you know, like Stitcher and Apple Podcasts and all that stuff. 
And it's a half-hour show, only once a month, so it's not a big time commitment. I play about five songs from Theremin soloists and bands around the world, and then do one interview with somebody somehow connected to Theremin. Uh, in the September episode, which I'm not quite finished yet, we're going to feature all Japanese musicians, and our interview is going to be about uh, a big theremin celebration happening in September in Japan. There's going to be three concerts, and also the world record, Guinness Book of World Records uh, attempt, uh, how do you say it? An attempt at setting a new Guinness Book of World's Records record of the most theremins playing together at the same time. They plan on about 300 people wow. playing these little handheld theremins that are called matriomins, and it's a theremin built inside a Russian nesting doll. Wow. That Whoa, would we, be... need, we need to get Victoria Lundy on a plane. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so tune in. I think that'll be about next week. Uh, theremin 30 is turning Japanese. <laughs> and um, I think so. This I'd, is, I'd like to say that thank you to everyone in Denver who came out to the Denver Art Rock Collective's all-star show at Streets Denver yes. last week. If you're listening to this Rock well, and roll. two or three weeks ago or whatever, yeah, thanks we, everybody that was a part of that. We appreciate it. No one threw a beer at me, so I didn't wear my Other Target shirt. Other than that, shirt. it was great. I it, was, it was great. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. go. Uh, was there video? Yes, there was I'm a little sure, bit. Yeah, there. There's footage floating in the, the interwebs. And there's audio. There's always audio. So um, And a theremin. And a theremin. So this has been Scott Livingston. Logan Renard. Matthew Marr. And, and your special guest, Rick Reed. And uh, tune in next episode when we try and figure out who this is. As you may have guessed, this does conclude Season 1 of Detours and Outliers, the podcast. Stay tuned. Don't turn off your computers. We'll keep your iPods warm. Season 2 is coming soon.